Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. So we're going to start a new message series today. Uh, for in the couple weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, and I want to talk about relationships. Uh, so the, the message series is called Fragile, so he'll throw that picture up here now. I know all of you that watch the Christmas story are saying, what? Fragile. It must be Italian, right? So we'll get that joke out the door first. Um, if you haven't seen that movie, you need to watch that movie, because he says, Fragile. It must be Italian. No, it's fragile. How many of you know family relationships can be Fragile. There was a story of a guy who lost, he was an older guy, he lost his hearing, uh, it just progressively got worse, and so he went in to have a, a hearing aid implant done. So he went in, had the surgery done, and he could hear perfectly. It was amazing. And so he got home, but he didn't tell his family that he could hear. And so when he went back in for his checkup, his doctor said, how's the implant working? He said, it is amazing, I can hear everything, but I haven't told my family yet, and I've changed my will three times. So... <laughs> Family relationships can be a little complicated sometimes. So what we want to talk about is just how do we deal with relationships in our lives and within our family, within our friends. We're leading up to what we call the holiday season. We have Thanksgiving, we have Christmas. You're going to have family come in into your house. You're going to be visiting family. And sometimes it gets a little tense, doesn't it? <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm not saying a word. You know, if you uh, bring up the right discussions at Thanksgiving, you don't have to buy as many Christmas presents. So, you know, some of you like that tension. Um, I'm kidding. But family relationships can be amazing, and sometimes they can be hard because family are the people we love the most in the world. Our friends are the people we love most in the world, but sometimes they're the ones that can irritate us more than anyone else in the world, right? Because they're around us. They know how to push buttons. So today specifically, I want to talk to you about how to love people who like to control us. How many of you, well, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have people in your lives who sometimes like to control you, like to control the things you do, and they do it through different methods. Sometimes they control through guilt. Sometimes they control through throwing tantrums. Sometimes they control through finances. But there are different ways that people control us, and guys, people who control us are not necessarily bad people, and they don't necessarily have bad intentions, but sometimes they just want to run the show, right? And it can be difficult. And guys, especially when we start giving our lives to Jesus and we start following him with all of our hearts and we start changing things, guess what happens? Sometimes people don't like that change, do they? They don't like the way that we're going. They don't like the direction we're going, and so they try to alter that by their behavior. You know, Jesus had one of these people within his inner circle. One of his disciples spoke up and really wanted to control what Jesus was doing. And we see this in Matthew chapter 16, if you want to turn there. In your Bibles, Matthew chapter 16, if you have the Version Bible app, if you hit the events tab, all the notes and the verses are in there. Um, Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21, it says, so Jesus had done some miracles and he kept telling them, don't tell people yet, it's not time. And then in verse 21, it says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would, rise, he would be raised from the dead. So Jesus had kind of hinted around and he had told his disciples, but the disciples knew that he was a Messiah. 
A lot of the crowds knew he was the Messiah, but as we talked about before, they thought Jesus was coming to bring what kind of revolution? A military revolution. He was going to kick the Romans out, and he was going to make Israel a sovereign nation again. He was going to bring about the kingdom they'd been waiting on for generations. And Jesus said, no, I am the Messiah, but I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him, saying such things as, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. Did Peter have the right intentions? Yeah. He didn't want Jesus to die. Did he know all the facts? No. And then Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So Jesus said, Peter, you don't understand. Peter was trying to control him. And I think he had the right motives. And maybe a little bit of selfishness in there because if Jesus died, his position went away, right? But he didn't understand everything. He was trying to what? Control the outcome. And so many of us know people who like to try to control things, and we don't, they don't always understand why we're doing things. Sometimes it's from good. Sometimes it's because they want to be in control. So I'm going to share a little bit. Um, there's some things I picked from uh, Andy Stanley, and there's a book by a guy named Gary Thomas uh, that I'll talk about here in a few minutes that some of this came from as well, and then some from Craig Rochelle. So a lot of different inputs. I'm going to give some different quotes in here. And if you're interested, I'll give you a book here that you can read about some of this stuff. But how many of you ever had someone who has guilted you into doing things their way? But I thought we were friends. I thought you loved me. I thought you would want me to be happy, right? Or they say, well, if you do that, I'm not going to pay for this. You ever had that? Right? Or... And like I said, some of these are from good intentions, some from bad, but we all have these people. So how do we control that? And as we get around the holidays, how do we not allow a nuclear explosion to take out our family, uh, you know, when we get together for Thanksgiving or Christmas? Well, let's talk about today. Lord, I pray that today you would speak to us today. Uh, Lord, I pray for any relationships here that are strained, that you would help us to navigate this with wisdom and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we keep people from controlling us? How do we get our lives where we want them to be through Christ. Now, guys, if they're trying to control you to help you follow Jesus, you might want to listen. But if they're trying to turn you away or trying to change your direction, this is what I want to talk about. So the first thing we need to do is understand our calling. Now listen, guys, we understand that a clearly defined calling keeps us on track. If we know where we're going in Jesus, it keeps us on track. If we know the purposes God has for our lives, it helps us stay on course. When do we get off course? When we start straying from God's plan for our lives, don't we? But if we're following what Jesus has called us to do, it's going to help us. And I know, guys, when I was a, when I was a teenager, I found out I was really good at business stuff. Uh, in school, we had business classes. I won some awards. We, went, we had a group that went to state. I had scholarships lined up to go to college to get a business degree. My parents were like, woohoo, because business means what? Money, and then down the road, he can take care of us. And then when I was a senior in high school, God called me to be a pastor. My parents went, wait a minute. <laughs> Pastors don't make very much money. And, and they had good intentions, but they said, son, are you sure this is what you want to do? I said, absolutely, 100%. Are you sure this is what, you know? And then one of them pulled me aside and they said, now, you know, when you're at Bible college, why don't you take some business classes as a backup plan in case this ministry thing doesn't work out, right? Did they have the right intentions? 
Yes. Did they understand what God was telling me to do? No. And I had to just say, guys, I know this is going to work out because I know this is what God wants me to do. And guys, some of you have that going on in your life. You're following Jesus and, and you're changing things. And people are saying, are you sure that's what you want? Are you, are you, are you really sure you want to do this? Sometimes when we follow Jesus, we have to change some relationships, don't we? There are people in our lives we have to move a little more to the fringe because of their influence. And they say, are you really sure you want to break that relationship? After all we've been through, you ever have that? After all we've been through, you're going to do this? So when we have that, that defined calling, it helps us. Craig Rochelle said this great line, when you know what you're called to do, it creates clarity. So what is God calling us to do in the season of life that we're in? Some of you guys, God is calling you to lead your family towards Jesus. That's always a calling, right? Some of you, God is calling you through college. God is calling you to lead your family or to raise kids. Or God is calling you to be a leader in your workplace, to show Jesus to your coworkers. What are some of the giftings? What has God gifted you to do to raise your family? Guys, some of you are changing your family dynamics. Some of you have come from a background and God is helping you change your family tree. Because you say, I'm not, we're not going to be like this. this. This is not going to be on our family anymore. We're going to change that with this generation. And sometimes that's tough. And what are we passionate about? Some of you say, you know, I'm not really sure what my calling is. Well, here's the questions. What are you really good at? What has gifted you to do? And what are you very passionate about? And a lot of times at that intersection between what you're passionate about and what you're gifted at, that's where your calling is. That's where God is, is leading you to use that. And Jesus said, right now, my calling is to what? To go to the cross, to die for humanity. That was his calling. And Peter was trying to, to move him from that. Now, it was probably for Jesus' best interest. You know, crucifixion's not a fun way to die. And especially not at the hands of the Romans. But Jesus knew that's where God was calling him. And we discover, guys, that being a people pleaser can distract us from that calling. How many of you are people pleasers? I have both hands up, right? I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to like me. I don't like conflict. Thankfully, God sent me a spouse that doesn't mind conflict. Amy's really good at it. <laughs> Amy's just like, and she's good in a good way, but she's like, let's just have this out right now. And sometimes I'd be, whoa, hold on just a little bit. And then other times she has to say, you have to have this conversation. I know you need to have it now. Go. <laughs> Cattle prod, right? I need that because I want everybody to be happy, so I don't like having those hard conversations. And so sometimes we have to understand what God has called us to do. And sometimes that means saying no to things, even if it's going to make people upset, right? We're people pleasers by nature. And so, and sometimes we stretch ourselves so thin to make people happy that we miss out on God's calling. Sometimes we get involved in so many things that we miss out on what God has called us to do. Because when you say yes to one thing, you're having to say no to something else. And sometimes we'll say yes to something that's just okay to make somebody happy and we're missing out on God's best for us. So we have to understand our priorities. I have to understand that at this point in my life, God has called me first to follow him, right? And then secondly, to be a husband to my wife and then a father to my kids and then a pastor to my church right? That's what God has called me to do. And sometimes people ask me to do something that's outside of that, and I have to say, I can't do that right now. Maybe later, but right now I can't. 
And so you guys have the same thing. Sometimes you say, well, I really wish I could do that, but if I do that, I'm going to miss out on this. And so we have to say no to things that might make people upset. People sometimes don't understand. Sometimes we have to step back from things. I know in my own life, I, I got a, a position, and so I had to step out of some things I'd done around town. People were saying, why are you stepping out of that? And I say, well, I have to do this because this is better right now. This is what I'm called to do right now, so I can't do this right now. And so sometimes, guys, you're going to have to have those conversations with people. I just can't be involved in that right now because God has called me to something else. And that's more important. So, and then we discover that people can only control us if we allow them to. How many of you know that people cannot control you unless you give them permission to control you? Those people in your life that, that use sometimes manipulation, sometimes they use temper tantrums, sometimes they use money, sometimes they use uh, a lack of affection to control you. They can only control you if you allow them. Now, I put this on this note. There's a there's a book called When to Walk Away by Gary Thomas. It is a phenomenal book. I wish I had read it 25 years ago. Uh, I read it this last year, and it completely moved things around in my life. It's a book about toxic people. Now, how many can know that everyone who tries to control you is not a toxic person? Please don't go home and tell your spouse, Pastor told me you're toxic. No, that is not. I am not saying that. We record these now, so I can tell you I didn't say that. But there are some people that may be in your life who are toxic. Toxic people love to stir things up in a bad way. Now, there are people who like to stir things up just to stir things up. That's not a toxic person. Toxic people like to control people. And here's a couple of things here. I left in your notes here, your handouts. Uh, these are signs of someone who's a toxic person. Um, if, they, if they love to rule by selfishness and spite. If that person is jealous of you all the time and want to control you through jealousy, that's probably a toxic person. If they're draining instead of encouraging, if they use people instead of loving people, if they're seemingly addicted to self-righteousness and rash judgments, if they fight with people instead of enjoying and appreciating people, if you know someone who's always stirring up a fight, they might be a toxic person. They may be jealous of people's peace, family, and friendships. There are certain people, guys, who are not happy unless they're destroying someone's relationships. And there are people who are toxic that want you, they want to control you, and they control you by destroying relationships around you. Right? And sometimes they want to bring people down to their level of misery other than blessing others. If someone is happy, they're going to make them unhappy so they can be like them. Right? And then they seek to control you because they want you to stop being yourself. Now, every toxic person is not going to destroy, but... or demonstrate all these things, but usually if you see about three of these in someone, they might be. And they excel at one of these other areas I put in your notes. A murderous spirit which kills things instead of builds things. They control people by nature or a heart that loves hate. Those are people who are toxic. And you know what you can do for a toxic person? Nothing until they want help. And that is one of the hardest things in life. And about the only thing you can do for someone who's truly toxic is leave them in that toxic state until they're ready to change. And that's when sometimes you have to walk away. Now, I'm not telling you to get a divorce, but sometimes, guys, we've seen marriages where one person is toxic, and the only thing that brings them to their senses is that person moving out for a while, giving them space, because they have to realize what their toxic nature is doing. And again, we don't advocate divorce, except for, you know, Jesus gave 
a couple reasons. But sometimes they have to say, you need to move out. Give them space to understand what their toxicity is doing in their lives. And we have friends. Sometimes we have friends who are toxic. Sometimes we have family members who are toxic. And the only thing we can do is give them space. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But these are some signs. So if you want to read that, that is an incredible book. It's written for pastors, but it works for anybody. And it gives us in a lot more detail. And so, but here's what happens, guys. Peter was trying to control Jesus because he was looking out for his own interests instead of the purpose of the kingdom. And Jesus had to say, Peter, you need to back up. (laughs) And he called him Satan, which is a strong term. But he's saying, you're allowing Satan to use you at this point instead of being my disciple and furthering the kingdom. And guys, there are people in our lives, sometimes I say, you know what, you need, we need to get a little space until you figure this out. I want to help you. I love you. But right now, I can't allow this in my life. So you need to give me some space until we get this figured out. And you need to go get some counseling. You need to get some help for this. And sometimes, guys, we have these people in our lives, and we put their wants and desires above what we should be doing, and so we allow them to control us because we don't want to hurt them. But sometimes the most loving thing you can do is hurt someone and say, hey, (laughs) we're going to break this off until you get this figured out because I can't allow this in my life. And so we have to recognize when we're being controlled, and then we have to respond accordingly. I am not saying go nuclear on people, okay? There are proper ways to respond if you realize, if you're reading through this and you're listening, you're saying, I think this person in my life is controlling me. I think this person is controlling me either for good intentions or maybe they're a toxic person they're trying to control me. What do we do? Well, we have to understand the motivation behind that control. Jesus understood that Peter was being a little bit selfish because he liked being close to the Messiah. He liked, he liked the importance that it gave him. He liked the status that it gave him. He thought Jesus was going to do things the way he wanted, and so Jesus understood it was being selfish. Now, Peter was a good friend. He was one of Jesus' closest friends, but he understood there was a motivation behind that, and he said, hey, you need to understand what's happening here. And we have people in our own lives who just don't really understand. Why are you going to church all the time? You hear that? Why are you going to church instead of hanging out with me? Why are you going to this event instead of doing this? And we explain, this is why. This is a priority in my life. If they understand that, perfect. But sometimes they'll judge your actions through their own motives. You understand? They're looking at what you're doing through their own motives. And we have to say, no, listen, this is what I'm doing. This is why. Following Jesus is good for me. Following Jesus is good for my family. Having my teenagers involved in the youth ministry is good for our family. Being involved in this life group is good for our family. It's good for our marriage. God is doing things in us, and I would love you to join me, right? I would love you to come with me, but I'm not going to do that. And we have to understand and recognize the impact of giving up control. When we're allowing people to control us, it impacts our lives. When we allow people to control us, it changes our family dynamics. We're giving up good things to allow them to control us. And here's the biggest thing. If you get anything out of today, please understand this. When we give someone else control of our lives, when we give someone else control of our decisions and what we do, it's easy for us to stop allowing God to lead us because we're allowing this person to lead us. We're allowing this person to direct our path instead of allowing God to do that. And again, they might be trying to do it out of good intentions, but they might not be. 
They might be trying to isolate us from good influences. Again, if that person's trying to control you, what do they do? They try to limit your impact or your, in, your interactions with other people because they want to control you, right? They want to control what you're doing. They might be trying to isolate you. They might be trying to get us to meet needs that we're not meant to meet. They might be trying to get us to settle for less than God's best. And so when we say yes to someone who's controlling us, we're saying no to something else, usually something that's better for us. And we have to decide when it's time to respond. We have to recognize when we are moving to an unhealthy place in that relationship. We have to decide when we're moving to an unhealthy spot. And so how do we do this? What do we do? If we're constantly allowing people to threaten us or guilt us, we're not going to have the healthy relationships. And that overflows in every other part. Because remember we talked a few weeks ago, everything in our lives are connected, right? When I say yes to this, I'm having to say no to this. When I'm allowing this person to control my life, I'm not allowing other things to have influence. If they're keeping me from this. What do we do? How do we respond to these things? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) We have to change what we expect and what we accept. We have to change what we expect and what we accept. Sometimes we have to define what we're going to accept. We have to define what we will accept from people. And guys, if we don't define it, we we can't hold them accountable for it, right? So we have to define what we're going to accept. What does that mean? Well, I love you, but I will not allow you to talk to me that way anymore. Right? I love you, but you're not going to call me those names. That's not acceptable. I love you, but I'm not going to allow you to say those types of things about me. I love you, but we're not going to use the word divorce in our marriage. People threaten that sometimes, don't they? Well, if you don't do what I want, I'll just go divorce you. No, we're not using that word. That's not an option. We're not doing that. You're not going to use that to control me. I'm not going to come bail you out again. (laughs) When I was a kid, my dad always said, I love you, son, but if you go to jail, I'm not bailing you out. Period. Never. You're just going to sit. And he was a police officer. That was really embarrassing. So I never went to jail. It was a good motivator. I'm not going to allow you to act that way. I'm not going to allow you to do that. We have to say this sometimes to our kids, right? I always had this line when when our kids were younger. We don't negotiate with terrorists. (laughs) You are not going to act like little terrorists. We don't negotiate that way. We don't do that. That does not happen. Right? I'm not going to allow you to do that. And sometimes they throw a fit, sometimes it's hard, but it has to stop. Setting limits is an act of love. How many of you know that? Setting limits in your marriage is an act of love. Setting limits in your family, that's an act of love. I will not allow you to act this way because when you get out in the real world, they're not going to allow you to act that way either. So we have to define what we will accept. And then we have to define what we expect. Andy Stanley says that every relationship has a gap, is what he calls it, an expectation gap. This is what I expect, and this is what I get, and there's this gap. Then we have to define what we're going to do with that gap. And so in our relationships, we need to define what we expect. And we have to define those expectations in a healthy way. Okay, so here we go. When you come to my house, mom, dad, in-law, cousins, siblings, we don't do this in my house. We will not act that way in my home, period. We will not watch that in my home. This is an expectation. If you don't like it, I love you, (laughs) but you can stay home, right? We have to define those things. We have to define what we can control. 
But then people come and we don't tell them, and then we get upset when they act like monkeys. No, <laughs> I didn't tell you you couldn't act like a monkey. Now I'm telling you, you cannot swing from the balcony. Okay, that doesn't work. We can't do that because I never defined it. We have to define it. You will no longer call me after this time. You will not call me in the middle of the night unless there's an amputation <laughs> or if you're in the hospital. But your cable not working is not a reason to call me at 2 in the morning. Okay, that doesn't, you know, those type of things. We have to define those. And then, here's something you may, may sound weird, but when we define our expectations, we renegotiate the relationship dynamics. So if we have a person who is a controller and we start setting limits, hey, listen, you will not speak to me this way, and here's what I expect. We are having boundaries in this relationship so that it can be healthy. What are we doing? We're renegotiating our relationship dynamics. We are changing the way that we do that. And this is healthy. This is what Jesus did. Peter, right now, you are being used by the enemy to keep me from doing what God has called me to do. So you're going to get behind me. You're going to give me some distance on this. And so, guys, sometimes in our relationships, we have to say, hey, listen, I love you, but this relationship is not healthy. So we're going to renegotiate what we're doing. You're not going to talk to me that way anymore. I'm not going to allow you to control me through that. I'm not going to allow this to happen. And they may not know that they're doing that. Guys, I've had relationships in my life with people, and I finally had to sit down and say, look, this is not healthy. The way that you're acting is not healthy. And they literally didn't know because that's how they've been raised. And so it's okay. This, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. Okay? And we're going to do it this way. Oh, well, that makes total sense. This is just how I've always acted. <laughs> No one has ever told me that before. Well, I love you, so I'm going to tell you. And so, and I've had times in my life where people have come and said, hey, you know, you're acting like a jerk. I said, really? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> That's just how I'd grown up, right? This is how I'd done this. And so I needed someone to love me enough to tell me that so I could change. And so we have to love people enough to give tough love. James Dobson has an entire book about it's called Love Must Be Tough. If you're raising kids, it is a fabulous book. It's a really, really good one. But sometimes, guys, we have to give tough love. Sometimes I have to love them enough to hurt their feelings a little bit to help them become healthy. Sometimes you have to love them enough to say, look, we're going to put some boundaries on this because I love you, because I care for you. I don't want you going down that road. I don't want this relationship going down that road, so I'm going to love you enough to do that. And some of you need to have this conversation in your marriage. I love you, but this is not how we're going to act anymore. This is not healthy. Maybe with your kids, I love you, but this is not how you're going to act. I love you, but we're going to renegotiate this. Sometimes friendships, you have to say, you know, I love you, but sometimes when, before people come to your house for Thanksgiving, I love you, but we're not going to talk about politics this year. It's not going to happen, right? I love you, but we are not going to watch the Cowboys play. All right? Just, you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I watch the Cowboys every Thanksgiving because the Chiefs don't play. So I have to watch somebody, right? But I love you, but we're not going to do that. And that might make your Thanksgiving very peaceful. You may be by yourself, but, you know. But no, guys, sometimes we have so much stress because we just don't tell people. And again, a lot of times people who try to control us have good intentions. They just need boundaries. Sometimes they have good intentions. And you know, guys, sometimes we need that a little bit, right? So 
We're going to take some time to pray this morning. So, But here's the thing. There are people in our lives that we have relationships with that have never been taught how to have a healthy relationship. Sometimes they've never seen a healthy relationship. Sometimes people, God will bring people into your life so you can mentor them and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. And sometimes it's tough because they just don't know how to act, so we have to teach them. This is what we do. This is what a healthy relationship looks like. And if we just write them off, they're never going to get that. So we have to teach them. Now, there are some people in our lives who just will not change. And we have to say, you know what, we need some space. I love you, I love you, I love you, but I cannot allow this to continue to happen because it's affecting my family. It's affecting my marriage. It's affecting my relationship with God, and that is more important in this relationship. So for now, we're going to give some space. I want to help you. I will help you any way that I can, but I will not allow this to continue happening. And that is one of the hardest things you will ever do. But it could be one of the very best things that will ever happen to that person because then they realize that actions have consequences. And so these are tough. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. Now, guys, if you're in a relationship that is physically abusive, you need to get help. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. These are our words. And they still hurt, but it's not like it's not physically dangerous. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, if you would.